0: be a blessed time for sure so let's pray and see what the lord has for us today dear heavenly father lord i thank you so much for today lord it is a privilege to stand here before the church lord this is the church and we are saved father we we've been saved by your your grace and your blood that was shed for us on calvary lord i would pray father that our our thoughts and the things that are heavy on our heart, we would just kind of put them aside for today, Lord. We would pray that, Lord, you would speak to us. Speak through me, Lord, and may we just uh, be able to apply ourselves to the Word today, Lord. May we take what we learn and uh, apply it to our lives and let the Holy Spirit run rapid through our lives and speak to us. In your precious name, amen. All right, as you know... um, On your little handout, we're going to be going through the end of Luke, chapter 24, verses 49 through 53. But um, once again, if you'll have a piece of paper and out, because we're going to go through several verses to correspond with this. But the title today is, My Love for You Needs to Be Bigger. No matter how much love we have for the Lord, no matter how much we give to the Lord, it needs to be bigger. And there's times that we feel refreshed, we feel, okay, I can do anything, and then all of a sudden that one little thing comes in and just like, oh, I guess I wasn't ready for that. And, you know, we need to have that desire to be bigger, we need to be more in love with Christ, we need to be more in the Scriptures, and then, of course, your love for me is forever. Now, I'm going to apologize in advance. I will be taking several drinks of water through this because my throat is still dry from all the sand that we inhaled out there. I don't know how they do it out in the deserts with the camels and all that stuff. and I don't know how they do it. But Alright, verses 49-53. through 53, I'll read through that and then we'll break down each verse as we normally do. Behold, I send... "...the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high." And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy." And they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Does it bring great joy when we're in the temple, we're in the church, we're on our knees and we're praising the Lord with no hindrance whatsoever, no anything interrupting it. There's times that we enter in and the Holy Spirit just comes on and there's times that all these little things come back and forth, back and forth that they interrupt. You know, I was uh, talking with Mario, and we're talking about the time that we set aside to be in the Word. And you know, before we even get in the Word, you know, we may spend a half an hour or an hour, you know, praying and getting the Holy Spirit to be moving. And and then all of a sudden, someone comes in, like my son, "Hey, Dad, Dad!" Oh man! And then you got to start over and stuff. And of course, you're going to take time for them and stuff like that. But you know, that sweet time that we spend in the Word, and He just starts speaking to us and that. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't want it to end. You know, I want to stay on my knees. I want to keep my head down. I want to feel that spirit just keep on going. Keep filling me up. But then you got to get up and you got to go into face the things of the world. But always remember to go back. Verse 49 says, behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I send the promise of my Father upon you. This is the reference of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the Pentecost. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. You know, i got to apologize once again, because last week I was kind of talking about the show AD, you know, where they're showing Jesus and stuff. And there's that one part where it shows them up in the room, praising the Lord and praying and praying. And the Holy Spirit comes in. And, of course, it's TV and it's Hollywood. And it comes in like a, a flame and stuff. And I said, "Well, I don't know if it really happened like that." But then it was quickly reminded as I'm reading through the scripture. It says that it came like a, you know, a flame and sat upon them. And I'm like, "Oh man, they got that part right." <laughs> but you know, to experience that. I ask you, have you experienced the spirit to come on you? Sit upon you in a flame that you just gotta burn. You just gotta have that zeal and that you just like it is you. It is you. You know, we at the men's camp out, I mean there's so many things that you do when you're with brothers and stuff, and I was sitting there on the message I'm in the morning yesterday and Adam's sharing. And if you know Adam, he's he's bold. And he raises, he, he challenges us men to step up for the challenge. And he's in your face with it. And you know what? Us men, we got to do that sometimes. You know, sometimes we come alongside, but it's okay. It's okay. Dude, did it right. You're blowing it. Step up or go for the calling. And I'm sitting there, and the spirit of the message was there. And, you know, me and Chuck, we're, we're known as the big teddy bear criers and stuff like that. And I just felt the Holy Spirit come on me. and just, My eyes were welling up. And I was like, man, right here in the midst of the desert, kids are running around, they're playing in the sand, chasing lizards, whatever, and the Holy Spirit meets us right then and there. And it's like, do we feel that? Do we have that fire? Do we have that compassion when the Spirit comes on that we're so sensitive to it that it wells us up? It moves us to do things. It drives us and guides us to get out there and do the Lord's work. We need to be doing that. And that's what we've been talking about through the rest of this chapter where the disciples were blinded until the Lord showed them Scripture, until showed them this is what it's about. This is why I came to do this. They could not do the work Jesus had called them to do unless they were endued Bestowed with the power of on high. And that power would come as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Jesus commanded His followers to remain in the city of Jerusalem until they had received the power from on high. He required them to stay there until they felt that power. A clear reference of the Holy Spirit who was promised by the Father. In John 14, 16, and 17, it says... And I will pray the Father and He will give you another Helper that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. The world does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. He's talking about Christians, talking about the Christ followers, we will receive the Spirit. He'll be with us. In John fourteen twenty six it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Two weeks ago, we were talking about how He showed them Scripture while they're on that road and he showed them scripture after scripture, things of proclaiming the Messiah. In John twenty, twenty two it says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Man. Breathed on them, and they were just anointed by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter two, one through twelve Actually, I'm going to read 1 through 8 and then 11 and 12. When the day of the Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as you have a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Verses 11 and 12. Cretans and Arabs were here. We hear them speaking in our tongues and wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "Whatever could this mean?" Have you ever felt the Lord come upon you in a way that you know without a shadow of a doubt the Lord? Have you felt that Spirit that comes on, and and the first thing we do is, "What is this? We're perplexed. What is, what is this feeling I'm feeling?" You know, there's times where we'll be in worship or we'll hear a message. We may get goosebumps or like I shared, you know, my eyes welled up because the Holy Spirit was moving in the message. Do we stop and say, where's that coming from? What is that about? Are we perplexed? or Are we quick to say, that's Jesus? You know, this morning before service, I was told of a praise report where God is powerful. And when you go back to the doctor and they can't find something. That's a praise report. And all that glory goes to the Lord. It's not like, ah, I don't know, it's just a free thing. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you got to look again. And that's the first thing the doctors will do. Oh, no, no, wait, wait we got to do another test. But that's a praise report. That is showing that our God does miracles. And you know what? That uplifted my spirit. That's a praise report. And when we're praying for one another and you hear praise reports like that, it's uplifting. It encourages us. It tells us to keep moving forward. But so many times, what is this? We ask God. What is this that you're doing? I'm perplexed. You know, some of you don't know this, but do you realize in verse 1 there, this is the only car in Scripture they talk about. When we're one accord, um, but anyway, um, just just a little. Anyway, okay. So it was promised in Joel two twenty eight. It says, "And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on the flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall be shall see visions." You know, as I put the study together and then we're out there with all these young kids, young squires, young knights running around, I just kind of thought, they're our next generation. As men, we need to step up. We need to train these kids to be a servant for the Lord. You know, we give them an award. We have an award. And it's the Mike them Award. And it's an honor to receive that. And Jesus came to be a servant, not to be served. And, we're, and Adam does such a great job bestowing that in these youth where we need to be willing at all given times, no matter what, to be a servant and do it for the Lord and not for the reward itself. But we're doing it for the Lord. In Acts eleven fifteen through eighteen, it says, "And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us, and at the beginning." Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how He said, "John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit." Given us that Helper, the real fulfillment of God's promise of salvation would start in those people who are united with Christ. The ones who received Christ as their Savior. They felt it. Verses 50-51 through of Luke there. And it says, And He led them out as far as Bethany. And He lifted up His hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while He blessed them that He was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Stop and think about that. Seeing Jesus parting away from them, going up into the heavens. What a what a marvelous thing that would be to see that. But before he goes, he lifts his hands and blesses them. He lifted up his hands to bless them. While he blessed them, Jesus left the earth blessing his church. And he continues to bless them as much as his people will receive. As much as his people will receive. We're his people. How much are you going to let Jesus bless you? How much are you going to hinder the Spirit in your lives? Nothing but blessings had ever come from those hands of Jesus. But now, Jesus stands at the high priest in heavens, of the heavens, watching over his people and blessing them. When Jesus blesses us as his people, it's like, it's not like I hope things work out okay for you. I hope you will be feeling better. No, instead, the blessing of Jesus has instinctive power within. A power that is above anything on this earth. You know, sometimes when we we want to hear, we want to share what's going on in our lives, so we'll ask somebody, Hey, how's your day? And you can't wait for them to finish. And then you're like, oh man, you wouldn't believe how my day's going. I need your prayer. And so many times, I find myself sometimes, well, you know, I I hope things go work out good for you. Or I hope they get better. I'm absent-minded sometimes. And if I say I'm going to pray for somebody... I will try and seize that moment right then and there. Because you know what? When I walk away, I'm going to forget. I'm going to get caught up in the things that I'm dealing with or things that are going on in my life. And I'm going to totally forget to pray for that person. And then they come up to you. Well, hey, did you did you keep me up in prayer? I'm sorry, I forgot. You know? But when we lift up a brother and sister in prayer... We have to understand that we're lifting up to God, our Savior. He has all the power, not us. You know, when we share in prayer, it's a privilege. When someone comes to you and says, I, I'm, "I'm struggling" or "I need healing," it's a privilege that we get to pray with them, and that's the way we need to treat it. And when I heard that praise report, man, Lord heard our prayers always. He always hears our prayers. Just because we don't like the answer doesn't mean He doesn't answer our prayers. All of our prayers are answered. We don't like no and we don't like wait. I'd rather hear no than wait. I don't want to deal with wait. If He has blessed you, you shall be blessed. For there is no power in heaven or earth or hell that can reverse the blessings which He gives. I can't take credit for that because that is a Spurgeon quote, but it's so true. Once it's given to us, it's ours. And we need to claim it, and we have to take victory in that. When we think about those hands raised up in blessing, we can see the scars from the nails that were pounded through his hands, through his flesh, and that kept him bound to the cross we can see that these hands of pain are also the hands of blessings. Those nailed scarred hands show the price of our blessings. And my blessings and your blessings. It is the price you cannot pay. But Jesus already has. What then keeps us from being blessed? That's a question you have to answer yourself. What is it that keeps you from being blessed? Are you allowing the Lord to bless you? Are you in line with what God wants you to be? We've been talking about the narrow road. There's great rewards on that narrow road. but There's also trials and tribulations on that road as well. But through all trials, there's blessings. All you must do is to come to Jesus and receive that blessing in trusting faith. It's that simple. So many times we make it so difficult. He is parted from them and carried up into heaven. Jesus had to ascend to that confidence and faith would be put in the power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He had to trust that our faith would be enough. Not in the physical presence of Jesus. They no longer had that physical presence. It was now faith that kept them saved and kept them walking. In Acts one three tells us that the ascension into heaven happened 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. He spent those 40 days proving the truth of his resurrection and preparing his disciples for his departure. He knew he needed to spend the time because he knew that their faith was not strong enough. Things happen right in front of us and we still question it. Lord is moving all through our lives and we still question it. Those 40 days were soon over. Very remarkable days they were. Every day, Jesus proven His love to us and blessing us. So different from His former life. Molested. They molested the Lord. No scribes or Pharisees contradicted Him. No malicious Jews took up stones to stone Him. Those days were the prelude of His glory. A sort of anticipation of His reign of peace. When we shall stand in the latter day upon the earth, and wars shall cease unto the end of the earth. When those forty days were over, the Master went His way. All was done that He had come to perform. And he ascended to his reward. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it says Now, when he, Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so so come in like manner as you saw Him go into heaven. Praise the Lord. He will come back. This verse describes the Lord's ascension but they also anticipate His return. He will come back in a cloud, bodily, bodily, in a view of people. You know, we were kind of talking about end times this weekend. And it's so close with the things that are going on. I know when I was a kid, they, they talked about the second coming of Jesus. We're in the end times. And... Now I'm 52 and it's 50 years later. We're still close to, to it. But the thing is, we're really close. Jesus is coming very soon. And we need to be out sharing God's Word. We need to be sharing God's love and trying to save as many people as God will let us be used for. In Revelation 1.7 it says, Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven And everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for Him. Yes. Amen. Verses 52 and 53 of Luke, it says, And they worshipped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. The disciples responded with worship and great joy and kept praising God in the temple. They didn't stop, ponder, perplexed, wondering what's going on or why. They knew what their what the Holy Spirit put on their hearts. They knew that they needed to be in the temple praising God. This praise that they offered up was because they adored Him. They loved Him with great compassion as their God. This shows the wonderful resort, result Of the ministry of Jesus in the disciples' lives. They worshipped him. This means they knew that Jesus was God and they gave him the honor that he deserves. They returned to Jerusalem. This means they did just what Jesus told them to do they were obedient. Are we obedient? With great joy, this means they really believe Jesus rose from the dead. And they let the joy of the fact touch everything in their life. In the beginning of chapter 24, we saw that that's not how they were acting. They they doubted it. They doubted the what they experienced. They doubted that it was Jesus, that He rose from the dead. He had to prove by the nail scars on his hands and feet. Continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. This means that they lived as public followers of Jesus, proclaiming his name, and could not hide their love and worship towards him. Do we hide our worship? Do we hide that heart that we have for God in spite of what people think? Or do we show it? When God does this kind of work in His people, we say Amen. We say Amen when He moves moves he in our lives. He speaks to us in ways that we can't question it. It's only evident. The days of their mourning were over. They were filled with happiness at the assurance of redemption and expressed that every Christian or Christ follower should feel fullness of the joy at the glad tidings that the Savior has died and risen and ascended to God. They got a, they got the whole picture. If you remember, he told them that the Messiah was the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised. The blessing of Abraham to all nations. The high priest after the order of Mes- Mesodech. I always stumble on that word. The man who wrestled with Jacob. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The voice from the burning bush. The Passover lamb. The prophet greater than Moses. The captain of the Lord's army to Joshua. The ultimate kinsman, redeemer mentioned in Ruth. A son of David who was the king greater than David the suffering Savior of Psalms 22, the good shepherd of Psalms 23, the wisdom of Proverbs and the lover of the song of Solomon, the Savior described in the prophets and the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, the prince, princely Messiah of Daniel who would establish a kingdom that would never end. Three things were needed for the apostles to understand Jesus' passion, person, and mission. First, His death had to occur. Two, He had to rise again to support His claim and demonstrate His victory. Three, the Spirit had to come. He would be sent by the Father in my name, in Jesus' place and for Him, and interpret the the meaning of Jesus' words and deeds. The resurrection of Christ is the first step in the series, in the exaltation of Christ. Two, His ascension to heaven and return to His pre-incarnated glory. Three, His exaltation and being seated at the right hand of the Father and the Father's throne. Four, His second coming to the earth in power and glory. His occupying the throne of David as ruler of the millennial earth. Six, His exaltation as judge of all men at the great white throne. And seven, His exaltation in the new heaven and the new earth. That's coming. Praise God. The resurrection was a prelude to his return to glory and his present ministry, as our intercessor at the right hand of the Father. We see in Acts chapter two, thirty-six through thirty-nine. It says, "Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ." Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. That's it. Repent. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized. Baptized through the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He calls us all. He wants to wants all of us to be in fellowship with Him. He wants us all to be saved. Last week I shared when we were at the Harvest Crusade and you see all those people go down to accept the Lord. Is it this one? this one? Are we busy out there? You know, I was talking to one of the high school kids that were there. And he says, I love it when I get challenged. When someone gets in my face and says, what are you doing with the Word of God? What are you doing with the love of God? Are you out there sharing it? Why are you sitting on your butts and not sharing the Word of God? That was his words. And you know what? It it, it spoke volume to me. For a high schooler to get excited when he gets challenged to the point it's in his face and convicting him. That's what we need to be doing. Ezekiel 36, 26-27 says, I will give you a new heart. Speaking of this repentance. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. I think of when I first came to know the Lord, my heart was very hard. Contrite heart of stone. And I, so many times we come across someone, there's no way God could save that person. I can only imagine how many people are saying that about me before I come to know the Lord. Because I can guarantee you they were. Bless you. And, you know, my phrase is B.C., before Christ. The old man, the old ways, the old things that I did are not no more. And I've been set free. And God's love and God's compassion and His Spirit can break down any wall. Never underestimate what the Lord's going to do. That person can't be saved. He's such a heathen. Really? How were you before you knew the Lord? Sin, sin. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, it says, Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God and the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all your strength. I don't think there's anything else left there that we, we have. With all of us. All that's within us. You must have a new heart in order to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. Until we have that new heart, we can't do it. To love the Lord means to choose Him for an intimate relationship and to obey His commands, not ours. This command, to love Him, is given all throughout the Bible. Love Him with all of your heart. Not a piece of it. And was a statute. Every aspect of a man's life, our soul and our strength, we're supposed to turn over to the Lord as well. In this chapter, we have celebrated Jesus' resurrection where Jesus defeated death and gave us hope for eternal life. Without Jesus beating death, we are left with no hope, no redemption for our sins. We have learned that we can be blinded by our own sorrow and confusion. We can lose hope and lose sight of the things that are really important. We can quickly forget the things that we see that the Lord is doing in us and around us. We saw that the Lord wants us to talk to Him in our prayer life. Have an intimate prayer life with Him. Talk to Him. Tell Him the things that are going on in your life. Ask Him to bless you in detail. We learned that Jesus shared prophecies about Himself and that all of them had to be fulfilled to be complete in God's plan. When we are in the Word of God, we can start seeing things clearly and see things through our spiritual eyes. We start to rekindle that fire that I talked about last week that once burned bright inside of us. It's like putting more fuel on the fire. If we don't have an understanding of the words of Jesus, we have a doubting heart. We saw that there were many similarities between Moses and... And Jesus, the great prophet. We saw that Jesus came to them and showed them the holes in His hands and His feet. And removed all doubt. He spoke to us to the fact where we feel that we can't go on anymore. That He is our strength. And if He could tarry after what He went through, He's more efficient for us. Like a lifeguard, his abilities are not seen until someone is drowning. We know they sit up there. We know that their capabilities are there. They went through training. But it's not until they perform that you really see what they can do. So too, we never see the magnitude of Jesus' work on our behalf until we realize we are sinking in our own sin and selfishness to show us the glory of His Son, God sent Him to a drowning world to rescue all of humanity, leaving mankind no other option but to say, Worthy are You, Lord. Lastly, we saw that we need to be sensitive to the Spirit. When we are feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are to respond the narrow way. The broad is the way that leads to destruction. We need to be on that narrow path. Jesus declared, narrow is the way that leads to life. In Matthew seven, thirteen and fourteen it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in that go in that way. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The road is so narrow that only one person fits on it. The person is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the only one who has done the things he taught us to do. He is the only one. By example, the Christian walk is not about trying to be Jesus. It's about being impressed with Jesus. It's about falling in love with Jesus. It's being amazed by Him and drawing close to Him. Then we become like Jesus in our heart, our thoughts, and our lives. It's then people see Jesus through our lives. In 1 John 2.6 it says, Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We're supposed to be Christ followers. 1 Corinthians 11, one, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Let's share Jesus at home, in our communities, here at church, spreading his love to others, being an example of what he is about, and that he truly, truly reigns in your heart and your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I know for me, I just want to be a witness wherever I go. And I fail You so much. But Lord, I would pray, Father, that You would light a fire. That zeal, that burning of the Holy Spirit would be evident in our lives. As we finished this chapter, Lord, I would pray, Father, that it would apply it to our lives. Lord, that we would be busy about Your Word and Your Kingdom sharing and being used by You, Lord. I pray, Father, that You would keep us on that narrow path of everlasting life and that we wouldn't go off astray, Lord. I would pray, Lord, that You would go before us this week. May we see Your hand of direction and guidance for our lives. In Your precious name, Amen.